Yep. Yep, we are going. There's our audio appearing, so. You're you're all out of frame. I gotta lean in a little more because the legs right here. Okay. Now I'm in frame. Hello. <laughs> Do you wanna start out? Like with the introduction? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Rena McMonagle. I'm Peter. And this is Spook History. Second episode. You sound bored. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm still getting my camera voice down. So, um, yeah, episode two. A little bit of a break between episode one and episode two for us, because my parents were here for a whole week. Mm-hmm. We had to make the apartment look like... It's a uh, place that guests come over and not just a giant studio to record things in. Like a crazy heap of like a thousand artistic projects happening all at once, which is usually what it looks like. So we had to pretend that we were capable adults with our lives together there for one week. Mm -hmm. We made it. I think we did a good job of fooling them. Mom, Dad, I'm joking. Just kidding. I'll never see this. <laughs> yeah, but uh, ironically, after after the first episode and talking about that uh, monolith thing at uh, the Parthenon in Nashville, that is exactly where we ended up last week. I mean, there's only so many places to take people in Nashville when they don't want to go to Broadway, so... Yeah, I had just forgotten that it was there, and I already forgot that man's name, who's like... James Robertson. Bringing the civilized world or something. I don't... I forgot what he thought he was doing. He's, he's got the Parkway named after him. Was it James Robertson Parkway? Is that his name? Yeah. It's just such a boring name. I'm it's just like, this. After. it just blends into the background. Yeah, it's not... Yeah. Fun fact, on the other side of that monument, it talks about his wife and credits her with giving birth to the first male in Tennessee. And I'm just, just mad about it. We, we don't, we don't, we don't remember the person who gave birth to the first uh, female in Tennessee. They, they don't get a monument. I just, that's... They should have tried harder if they wanted to be remembered by history. It's just <laughs> such a blow to, to just everyone, to just... Not only is she only remembered for her contributions as, like, a host, but just because she gave birth to a male. Mm-hmm. I hate it so much. Oh, James, you suck. And for being James's wife, yeah. Damn it, James. The worst. Did she do anything on her own other than associate with men? I don't know. We'll never know. No one remembers stuff like that. Who knows? So what's up for episode two, then? Um, our theme this week is Kentucky, which the is horrifying. The Great White North. So the Great White Kentucky, <laughs> the Great White North, what? <laughs> From here in Nashville, at least. Um, I, there's a lot going on in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. A lot happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Kentucky's a little terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this as a person who has spent a considerable number of weekends in Kentucky for various film projects, um, and now I have a bunch of friends um, in southern Kentucky. Uh, so I'm there a lot. You should check in on them, see how they're doing. Oh, I think they're doing good. Make sure they didn't fall into a sinkhole. Oh, God, you... <laughs> <laughs> I joke about that, but that's legitimate here. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> 
When I was looking up uh, hauntings in Kentucky, there's a lot. And there's a lot of, like, just weird ones. And Kentucky just, I don't know, crossing into Kentucky, like, feels weird. Like, you're very noticeably in a different place than northern Tennessee. Yeah, that part of Kentucky, like, it, it kind of starts... It's technically a southern state, but it kind of, like, starts to feel a little bit Midwestern-ish. Like. Yeah, yeah, Louisville is is very Midwestern. But then, and yet, like, still very southern. I disagree. It's, like, right across the river from Indiana, but, like, I also forget that, like, eastern Kentucky, like, because we never go to eastern Kentucky, and that whole part of the state that's, like, coal country, I... Yeah. Which actually that came up in um, the things I was looking up to. Um, I don't know so. that much. I know I've been to Louisville a lot and I've been to Bowling Green a lot. And then I've been to a bunch of like middle of nowhere rural places to go to like indie film projects in Kentucky um, where I probably should have been more careful because I could have very easily just been murdered and thrown, in, by aliens. and thrown into a sinkhole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aliens is another problem in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> You've got, like, satanic forest. They've got aliens. They've got sinkholes. It's a mess up there. Oh, I don't know about the satanic forests. Oh, oh. Well, that's not what I'm covering today, but we'll, uh... I guess mm-hmm. we'll get to that. There's some weird, there's some weird stuff happening yeah. up in Kentucky. Um, you all right, Kentucky? No. <laughs> Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> I'm stalling because I don't I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about my thing we can do mine first I don't want to talk about it I don't want to talk about yours either I don't like sinkholes and I don't like caves oh. I don't like it <laughs> yeah there's a lot of hauntings and creepy paranormal things happening in Kentucky but probably one of the most classic uh haunted sites is the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. I heard me of that place. Yeah, I've moving here, I did not uh, know that much about it. And now I know way too much. And I have run into a lot of people who have been there, who grew up near, who have like horrifying stories from that place, like very trustworthy people. And I just run into them. Like when we were um, visiting a friend in New York, her roommate is from that area, and the first thing she says is, Waverly Hills is haunted. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, you can't, right. you cannot talk to someone from northern Kentucky without them just being like, okay, but Waverly Hills. Which other places have hauntings, but they are not as passionate as the people of Louisville are about Waverly Hills, which is unnerving. <laughs> I freaked myself out with my research um i was i was uh, a little panicked last night i had to turn on uh, schitt's creek because uh, because i freaked myself out um so maybe i'll scare you today or i'll just scare myself again we'll see, see sometimes oh when you turn on the television i sometimes i just think you're doing it because you need background noise to like help you focus no i freaked myself out reading some of the stories and then um then the neighbors came home, and I guess they did something in their closet, because all of a sudden I just heard this long, like, scratch go down the wall, and I I freaked out. But I'm going to assume it was just the neighbors in the closet doing... I don't know. I guess they were scratching at it. I don't know. Without further ado, the Waverly Hill Sanatorium. 
Um, I'm going to start with um, some of, or, or rather a lot, all of the history, or a good uh-huh. chunk of the history of Waverly Hills, um, and then get into the creepy stuff. Um, but the, the history is actually is, is pretty, pretty horrifying as well. The Waverly Hills Sanatorium is considered to be the most haunted location in the world, and it is located southwest of Louisville. It opened in 1910, and it was originally a two-story hospital meant to treat a maximum of 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. It opened in 1910, and it was... It's okay. It opened in 1910, and it was... I can't... I can't talk. I liked the last sound that you did, though. But the... Like that was. I, I'm I, cutting I that didn't out. Like that. No, I'm cutting that, 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 that out. Good. No one wants to hear that. It's too early to be this weird. <laughs> it's never too early to be weird. It opened in 1910 and was originally a two-story hospital meant to treat a maximum of 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. Why can't I say tuberculosis? You did say it. You're not trying to say tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. <laughs> tuberculosis. I'm gonna get through this sentence. Hang on. Can we please keep this? I don't want to. It's too early. <laughs> I love this. This is great. <laughs> it's too early. No one wants to hear this. But you're so tuberculosis to getting it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> It opened in 1910 and was originally a two-story hospital meant to treat a maximum of 40 to 50 consumption patients. It's cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Tuberculosis is a bacterial infection that attacks and slowly eats away at the lungs. Uh, It was a global health concern in the 1800s and into the early 1900s, and some years it was responsible for as many as one in four deaths. This was a major and deadly problem for a very long time. And because of the humidity in Louisville, it was kind of the perfect breeding ground for the bacteria. So they had a major outbreak in the early 1900s. Um, So much so that by 1912, the tuberculosis outbreak in Louisville was so bad that patients were transferred to the facility and had to live in tents on the grounds while they waited for an additional wing of the hospital for advanced cases to be completed. What do they mean by advanced cases to be? Are they just, do they mean they waited until those people died? Is that what they mean? Yeah, I mean, those would be like severe infections of the lungs. Um, Like it would, because, you know, sometimes tuberculosis can take quite a while to uh, kill you. Um, So those would be, yeah, the more terminal patients. At this time, they had 140 patients. That addition was completed by the end of that year and added another 40 beds, which still isn't really enough um, because they... They could only have 50 beds and they have 140 patients. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're, people are getting sick faster than they can find space for them. Yeah. By 1914, a children's facility was completed. It included an additional 50 beds. Uh, the children who lived at Waverly Hills were sometimes the children of tuberculosis patients who had nowhere else to go, as well as children who were infected with tuberculosis. So because tuberculosis is very contagious and it is airborne, basically all the children, the healthy children who were sent there because their parents couldn't take care of them, 
um, basically they were just everyone's getting infected because yeah, that is how that is how that's how it works. It's crazy because like they didn't fully know how to treat it at the time, but they knew it was airborne. Like that's why the people went to like Asheville, North Carolina was because it was they thought the air was clean there. Yeah, but it's it's the early 1900s and they're not gonna. Uh, just, they don't care about the children. I was what? Say, that's just that's crazy. Like like the science was advanced enough at that time to know that. Yeah. Yeah, they just they uh they were essentially committing those those children to to die in that hospital by by deciding to send them there rather than finding finding care for them. Uh, the intention was to build a new building each year to continually grow the hospital, but the tuberculosis epidemic was so bad that it quickly became obsolete. So construction on the five-story structure that we know today started in 1924, and it finally opened in 1926. I don't know if they had patients just living in tents on the grounds for the majority of that 10 years, but... Uh, so like we said earlier, if um, if you have tuberculosis, it's... It's airborne, and they knew that. Um, so once you were at Waverly Hills, you were quarantined, which means Waverly Hills was its own community. It had its own water treatment plant. It grew its own food, raised its own animals, had its own post office, and even its own zip code. So whether you were a patient, um, the child of a patient, a doctor, a nurse, if you went there, you were not leaving. Like, you, you lived there. Like, that's it. You're, you're committing to be there. So it's like a cult compound without the cult. Yes, it's like a, it's like a cult compound, but with, with a with, horrifying without, with, disease. Yeah, with no cult leader, just, just disease. Okay. It's a weird way to put it, but yeah, okay. Yeah, you go there, you grow your own food, and you don't get to leave. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty horrifying. It's little, little, little prison-y, um. By 1938, tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in Kentucky. Kentucky had the highest tuberculosis death rate in the country. I did not know that. Yeah, there, there, there were a lot of people um, ending up at uh, Waverly. And um, a lot of times the treatment was kind of torturous and horrifying. Um, so treatments included lots of rest, fresh air, and the fresh air was no matter the weather conditions. So even in the dead of winter, they were just throwing open all the windows, putting a blanket on them, and just just sitting them in the fresh air. <clears throat> there was also the theory that ultraviolet light would stop the spread of bacteria. So they had sunrooms where they would use artificial light to try and kill it with UV rays. Like outside of their body or on the inside? No, no, I don't think they were outside. I think they just had okay. sunrooms and it was basically like a tanning bed, but... I mean, because ultraviolet radiation killing, um, like, bacteria and virus, that is that But, is like, not in, but not, not in your lungs. Not, yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, it's in your lungs. It's not, it's a weird, it's a weird theory. It's grounded in something, but, like, it's a, it's a weird plan. In advanced cases, they would also remove uh, ribs of the patient's to um, allow the lungs more room, theoretically, um, huh. which sometimes they would be removing six to eight ribs. Uh, they would also be removing parts of the infected parts of the lung uh, to let the organ rest, uh, which is not, it's just, it's just uh, my lungs hurt thinking about this. 
there was also um did this ever work like was there a patient whose like ribs they took out and this patient lived i'm just curious like i i found cases where they're like we cured it and they went home but i don't i don't I don't know. There, I didn't find a lot of information about that. Uh, That's wild. Like, how do you I don't go like it. about your life? It's a lot of ribs. Without ribs. It's a like, lot of ribs. Like, how do you proceed to lift an object, you know? Like, how do you, without that structural framework around your core, like, how do you... I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Like, my, my whole torso is twinging now. <sighs> okay. Another one is... Um, and this was often a last resort because, no, the patients did not survive this one. Balloons would be surgically implanted in the lungs and then filled with air to expand them to help them breathe. No, that one didn't work. That was also, like, a last case, like, a, a last-ditch effort. Like, this person was going to die anyways, so yeah. I guess it made them feel like they were doing something, even though... That one's don't rough. Stick, that one's don't got stick. me squirming. Yeah, don't stick anything in your lungs. Don't, don't do it. Um, so, so yeah, stuff... You know, if the disease isn't going to get you, the treatment is. Like, it's not It's not good. So, lots, lots of horrifying things were happening. It's estimated that 8,000 people died at Waverly, but some indicates that number is higher. Um, some indicate that it's lower. Um, there was a rumor going around for years that it was 60,000 people, which is... That's a discrepancy. That is, yeah, it's a huge discrepancy, but it's also just, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's nearly seven times yeah. the difference. Um, so today they're, they're thinking more between 6,000 and 8,000. I did find one that, uh, said 11,000, uh, because the records just weren't that good. Either way, that's... That's a lot of people. That's a ridiculous amount of people for a hospital that was originally meant to hold 50 people at a time. Mm -hmm. um, at the worst part of the epidemic, it was reported that a patient died nearly every hour. So because of this high death rate, they had to get creative with how they were removing bodies from the sanatorium. When the sanatorium was built, it included a tunnel that leads from the first floor to the bottom of a hill 500 feet away. It was originally intended to move supplies in and out of the building, but staff wanted a discreet way to remove the bodies of their deceased patients so that it would not hurt the morale of other residents. So that is how the tunnel became known as the death tunnel or the body chute. Just want to take some time to just imagine the logistics of moving a body from the fifth floor to the first floor to this death tunnel. Without anyone seeing? Every hour? Yeah. So I'm just like, just admit you were lazy. Like, they're gonna say that, that they had to move the bodies down the supply tunnel because they didn't want to hurt the morale, but they had to move them all the way through the hospital to get them to the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's it seems like a, it, like a wild claim to me. Do they like, have, like, a specific, like, body elevator? Like, direct to morgue elevator? <laughs> um, not that I found. Okay. I'm um, just... I mean, they must have taken them down by elevator. That exists at the time, right? Yeah. So they must have been taking them down by elevator. Yeah. But just... I, the patients would know. Yeah, like, you, The you, patients are gonna see it. So you, saying, You asked like, me to imagine the logistics of so it. Just, so just saying that they put them down the, the chute rather than 
just taking them out the front door is uh, a, so it wouldn't hurt the morale is a wild claim to me. After streptomycin was invented in 1943, it wasn't available at Waverly until 1949. Streptomycin was the antibiotic that would cure tuberculosis, which again, want to take a moment to say it took a hundred years. Yeah. Of this being a problem, it took a hundred years to find a treatment, and then it would take even longer to find a preventative course. Yeah. And then it wasn't available in Kentucky for another six years. So it was in 1949 that cases of tuberculosis finally began to drop. So there was no longer a need for a 400-bed hospital. And by 1961, Waverly Hill Sanatorium was closed. But it was then rebranded and opened again in 1962 as Woodhaven Geriatric Center, a nursing home meant to specialize in dementia and mental illness in the elderly. However, it was overcrowded and understaffed. There were reports of neglect, abuse, and the use of experimental treatments. Woodhaven was closed by the state in 1982. Um, so it did sit empty for a while. This is Kind of a total aside, I just thought this was a really funny story. Um, in March of 1996, Christ the Redeemer Foundation bought the property with plans to build the world's tallest statue of Jesus. Were they trying to outdo Rio de Janeiro? Yes! They were going to copy that statue. Oh, really? Yes, they weren't they were, going to make a new one. They were going to copy it. Like, they were going to take, like, it's in all the articles. They were inspired wow. by that statue. They were just going to straight up steal it and build a bigger one. Man, they, okay. Yeah. Um, so the statue was going to sit on top of the hospital and the hospital itself was going to be converted into a worship center with a theater and a gift shop. Oh, wow. Um, they were going to need a total of $22 million for that project, mm -hmm. which they said, no problem. We can raise that. And they got fundraising. They raised $3,000. I mean, it's kind of hard to want to go worship somewhere that, you know was a sanatorium yeah it's filled with tuberculosis and then it was it was basically like it, it sounds a little asylum-y after that it yeah. wasn't ever claimed to be that but fits the descriptions yeah it takes it takes a lot of faith to still show up somewhere that used to be that place and just praise and not for a second be like but why is the world so cruel <laughs> like it takes it would take a lot of faith but for um, needing $22 million and only raising $3,000, uh, my heart and every student filmmaker who's ever been like, I just need, need $10,000 to make my dream project, and then they raise like twenty five. dollars Yeah. <laughs> so it's not just you that has problems with the fundraising, apparently. Apparently statues have problems raising the funding, too. So from... The early 1980s until 2001, the hospital sat empty, which is how it became kind of a legend in the surrounding area because, you know, everyone was always breaking into it to look for ghosts and hang out and teenagers were going to spray paints and so it was kind of empty but not for a while. So now we're going to get into the hauntings. Alright. Um, so there's two kind of theories and hauntings that come up in Waverly, uh, which this might be a good one to introduce you to those concepts on. The first idea is um, kind of a theory of residual haunting, 
which is like a leftover energy, kind of like imprints through time, mm-hmm. where you see or hear kind of a flashback to something that was, like the energy is imprinted on the space and keeps repeating itself. Okay. The other theory and what people have experienced is an intelligent haunting, which means that spirits or entities are actively interacting in real time. So that's like if you're getting an EVP and you're asking a question and they're answering or you're asking something to them to move something and then it moves, like a call and response. So visitors to Waverly report hearing doors slam, seeing inexplicable lights, hearing voices, screaming and footsteps. Near the kitchens, you can smell food and freshly baked bread even though it hasn't been in working order in decades. One of the most common sightings that I came across is people will see a man in a white lab coat walking in the halls, um, even though there's not supposed to be anyone else in the building. I'm gonna be honest, the one about the food would throw me the most because just like that weird effect that you get when like you smell a candle and it smells like a food you would eat and you're like I can't eat this this is made of wax I'd be like there's nothing that I can eat here why do I smell something that makes me think about eating right now it does not yeah that yeah, would especially me. when you look at how like dirty and like so I emailed you some pictures go ahead and pull those up so you can be looking at those and as we do this There they are. I have eight attachments. One of the other uh, famous ghosts at Waverly is the ghost of a little boy named Temmie. He is said to live on the fourth, or I guess live wouldn't be be incredibly disrespectful terminology. Um, He's said to reside on the fourth floor. He's been spotted playing with a leather ball and sometimes he'll roll balls down the hall of visitors. People have also reported seeing something crawling up the body chute towards them and then vanishing as the body chute taken in the uh, daytime. Yep, I just pulled that picture up. Yeah, so just imagine something, just imagine looking down that Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night and seeing something crawling up it. Another common sighting um, is an elderly woman who's been spotted wandering the halls of the hospital, bleeding from chained ankles and wrists. She screams for help, but if you approach her, she runs from you in terror. And what is this supposedly in reference to? I, I do not know. Oh, okay. No further explanation. Was, um, was Tiny Tim, was, sorry, Tim. Timmy. Sorry, Timmy. Sorry, Timmy. Um, was he a tuberculosis patient? Um... I, I don't know. these are, So these are spirits that people have interacted with and named, but there's no, like, real concrete evidence as to who they may have been. Okay. On the second and third floors, you may encounter a little girl with no eyes running at you. I'm counting floors right now on this exterior picture. Okay. So, okay. So it's, uh, okay, if that's what you need to do. I'm trying to visualize. <laughs> Imagine a little... Did you see the dark hallways? Mm-hmm. Just imagine seeing a little girl with no eyes running at you in that. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm picturing it. It's, it's weird. Okay. Oof. Yeah, I'm going to get a reaction out of you one day. One of the more controversial stories uh, comes out of room 
502. So this is one of those that may have been fishtailed over time. Allegedly, the ghost of a nurse who died in 1928 has been spotted in room 502. According to the story, she was pregnant and the father was one of the doctors who did not want to take responsibility for the baby. So she hung herself. Um, another version of the story is that the doctor tried to perform an abortion, but it went wrong, which resulted in her death. Uh, she was 29 years old. In 1932, another nurse who worked in room 502 jumped to her death, but some speculate that she was pushed, but there's no evidence to, to suggest either way. This is one of those things where I don't know if people just encountered a lot of activity in that room and then gave it a backstory, uh -huh. or if there was ever something that happened there's a common theme with pregnancy and abortions that went wrong um in hauntings which yeah i've, I've heard yeah. a lot of those it's like it's like a it's like a trope kind of almost yeah like it's it's something that that gets assigned in there as either a strange cautionary tale or i don't know there's, there's something feels icky about that always to me yeah, because a lot of people die in a lot of traumatic ways, but I do hear a lot of stories about... Yeah, there's know. a lot of... There's a lot of um, that attributed to a lot of hauntings, especially in America. I will leave that there, but this is also maybe a good a good uh, reason for access to, uh, to proper health care. But also being 29, unmarried, and pregnant in tuberculosis sanatorium that you're never allowed to leave and knowing you have to raise a child in that mm -hmm. basically to catch tuberculosis is um that's traumatizing like that's that's very upsetting yeah that's that's quite a fate another one that may have just been kind of fishtailed this is an urban legend that was been assigned to waverly did not find evidence that it's true it's messed up, so we're just gonna go with this is a fun urban legend that had a fun urban legend that happened, but okay. didn't. So one of the local urban legends involves two teenagers breaking in, coming across a homeless man and his dog. They murdered him in the name of Satan and threw his body down the body chute. When did this supposedly happen? Uh, ninety-one. Mm, I didn't write that down. I should have written it down. Um, in I believe it was in the nineties. It was before it was purchased and and reopened. Um, in 2001, um, there's also, um, a different version of the story where, um, he fell down the body chute, but then everyone says, well, something probably pushed him. Mm -hmm. Either way, people do, uh, report encountering a ghost dog in that area. Waverly is also known for... <laughs> Um, these scare me. This is this is where we get to the scary part, or the part that scares me. Um, oh. So Waverly is also known for shadow figures. They are frequently reported and photographed. Some visitors claim that they can feel someone walking beside them, and they'll think it's the person that they came to the sanatorium with. Mm -hmm. And then later they'll realize that that person is farther up in the group or has stopped, and they'll turn to look, and the person who was next to them is gone. Um, I found a blog post from the 90s where an explorer details um, the events of uh, him and his friends doing a little little urban exploring. 
they um, made their way up to the roof and checked everything out and kind of spent some time just reminiscing, telling each other stories um, about the things they had heard there. And then when they turned around and went, tried to go back into the fifth floor, they saw shadowy figures staring at them from the building, just emerging from the darkness, and no one had been there before. Um, at this point, one of his friends loses his cool and wants to jump off the five-story building to get away. Oh, wow. So they convince him that is not a good plan and that they have to go back the way mm -hmm. that they have come, um, which means making their way through this pitch-black, falling-apart building with a bunch of figures. How many of them were there? At least four. Okay. It did not, it, it didn't say exactly how many. So eventually they got up the nerve to go back inside and started slowly making their way through the dark hallways with the figures watching them. And then there was banging from the walls and the ceiling and the floor all around them. But they, they wanted to run to get back to the car as quickly as possible. But it was too dangerous because there's still equipment and debris mm -hmm. and they didn't have that much light. So they had to slowly make their way with what light they had back from the top of this building all the way back to the bottom with things mm. watching them. Mm. By the time they got to the fourth floor, there was a loud crash and something landed in front of them. Something had thrown a brick at them. See, if I was there and that happened to me, I'd immediately be concerned that there was someone like a like a flesh and body human there at that moment. That's what would immediately cross my mind. And I'd be like, why is this human, this living human hanging out here? Are they up to no good? Like, uh, might they, could they possibly attack me and my friends? Like, I would, like, because, um, like, when I've been in, like, abandoned buildings, and, like, you can tell they've been occupied by other people. There's this one place that used to be, like, a pool house next to a lake. My friends and I went in there, and then one time we went in there, and the floor is covered in needles. Ugh. Never went back there again because, like, just no. that's, that's just not something to ever be around. Like, Oh, that's so dangerous. Yeah. So I, I would immediately be concerned. I'd be like, is there someone in here, yeah. like, tripping out right now? Is there someone out in here, like, hiding because they've done something wrong? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that would be a, that would be a big concern there, um, but... Either way, living entity or not, this is the situation that they're in. There's mm -hmm. something watching them. So they did finally make it out. Um, but I think uh, I think that one friend who wanted to jump off the roof, like, freaked out and started just booking it towards, like, down the hall at one point. <laughs> and they're like, no, Chris, wait, come back. He doesn't get invited to hang out with them when they go into abandoned buildings next time. <laughs> He's like, oh, I saw you guys went to this place. And they're like, no, we didn't. <laughs> What? No. Another commonly reported phenomenon. Um, I hate this. I hate this so much. Are doppelgangers. Doppel like you see yourself? Doppelgangers are an entity that can mimic the appearance of anyone it comes across. Oh, only okay. with black eyes. So yes, you can see yourself. Crazy. I what? hate that. <laughs> I, I hate that story. <laughs> I hate it. So you'll see... Either yourself uh -huh. with black eyes or someone that 
oh god, I hate it. Like someone you know, or like someone who's yeah. like in your group. So yeah, like 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 you would see like you'd be there with your friends, uh-huh. and you would see them in a spot that they're not supposed to be. Only it's not them. Like. Or be, I hate that so much. Or it'd be, like, horrifying if, like, you turn around a corner and you're like, Dad? Oh, God. <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> someone who's just not supposed to be yeah, there. Yeah, someone who's, like, not Ugh. even in your group. Just, that would, that would, I, that would, I'd be just, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> I'd be gone. <laughs> I hate it. Like, at least if it's someone in your group, you can be fooled long enough to, like, keep walking, then see them and be like, oh, I saw you down on the other hall. And they'd be like, no, I never went down there. Ugh. And then you'd be freaked out. But, like, if it was not, if it was someone who wasn't supposed to be in your group who was there, like, that would. Any yeah. of it. All of it I hate it. Like, that's, this. I hate it. I hate it so much. I just, I hate it. <laughs> the, uh, I saw where the, the Ghost Adventures bros were there, mm-hmm. and they, I don't think they caught it on camera, but one of them says that they saw themselves on that property. I'm just like, I can't. It's crazy. Like, I can't. So you said it's you, but with black eyes. Like, are there mm-hmm. any other, like, distortions? Like, are you, like, dead and there's, wrinkly or anything? Or, like... No. No, I don't think so. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of different versions of this, and this shows up a lot in, like, the darkest of, of cases. Mm-hmm. I don't know. These are these are like some next level like dark demon things. Like I don't know. I'm scared. I don't like it. Um, I hate it so much. Ugh. Ugh. Um, maybe maybe one day we'll we'll go if I'm brave enough. We'll go into we'll do a full thing on the doppelgangers. Not today. I can't handle it. Not anytime soon. I can't. I'm not strong enough. Like what I want is is like you from like right because you know it'll also be creepy if you like saw yourself from like ten years ago when like you're younger or something too like that would be creepy as well. Has anyone ever seen that? Yes, actually not not be... here, uh-huh. not here. I'm gonna take a quick tangent and um, plug Jim Harold's pod Jim uh, Harold's campfire real fast. Uh-huh. Um, which he has uh, callers call in and tell their own stories and there's a really famous story on his where like. I don't know if I'm allowed to like detail it, but go listen to his podcast. It's cool. Um, someone called in and said that when they were like a little boy, they walked into their kitchen and saw a figure in a black hoodie in their kitchen making a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And then just like freaked out. Like there's not, there's not supposed to be a person there, but then it was gone. Mm-hmm. And then years later, when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. He was in his kitchen making a sandwich wearing a black hoodie and he saw a little boy walk in the kitchen. That makes me think of uh, Haunting of Hill House. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what that makes me think of. Ugh. That's creepy. Ugh, okay. That's a whole that's a whole time slippy, like Yeah, so you said you wanted to spook me. That was, that's creepy. Got it, okay. Gosh, got you. It was doppelgangers. If that's God, if that's what it takes, I can't do doppelganger stories a lot. They freak me out. That is that that's yeah, that's just weird on like I don't know, like like a very real personal level. Like yeah. it's not like some thing that like you've never met before. Yeah, like it's, it's like something like you're in coming your face, face to face with like but also coming face to face with yourself. Yeah. Yourself or like someone who like, like you, you know, you yeah, know like, and care about, but it's not them, which yeah, is like, like yeah, like like it's it's like it's it's creepy to hear stories about you know like you see this dead girl from a hundred years ago, but like it's creepier if you see someone still alive. Yeah, and yeah. there's like there's a lot of stories about people seeing like doppelgangers like in their own homes and stuff. Like there's, 
I hate it. I hate it. It's so creepy. <sighs> okay. This is the part where I was getting freaked out. We're almost at the end, but this is, <laughs> this is the thing I couldn't handle last night. This is when Shit's Creek came on. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I know. <sighs> okay. You know, for a while I was like, I'd kind of like to go to Waverly. I think it'd be fun. And now I've mm-hmm. done this. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> I think I I would just dissolve. Someone offered, they were like, if you ever want to come shoot any film that Waverly, I'm on the board, like, let's go. I was like, yeah, that'll be great. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. I'd be down to go. I just like, I just want to like, I just want to make sure like we're clean leaving. Like can't bring like bad karma out of there. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I'm a a super open person. Yeah, I don't, I don't person like I'm not like I don't I don't know if I'm a believer or not but like just there's that chance there's that chance and that chance is enough for me yeah like like that story last time about the uh the bell witch cave and people who take things from the bell witch cave take take bad home with them yeah yeah like, like that's the thing about visiting places that are like kind of unclean is like you like I would have to just make sure like after leaving it that like you know like, I was clean. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, yeah, taking something defiling home, like... The fridge just came on and made a popping noise, and I swear my heart just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's how we know our food's cold. You're talking about the bell witch, and, like, the other night I told you that I woke up and I could just hear something knocking, and I didn't know where it was coming from. It was just a subtle, just... And I flipped out. Like, I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Because <laughs> all I could think about was the bell witch. I need to tell you about some things that I've seen and heard around here. But I guess that's a different episode for a different Excuse time. Excuse me? Here? Yeah. In our current... I've told you. Where so we're going to stir some stuff on. up. I've told you often. I thought on. we had a nice, lovely apartment where nothing ever happened. And it was all good. And we all lived in harmony. It's a very clean apartment. Uh huh. You know, yeah. Keep it clean. Okay, maybe I don't want to know. Maybe this is an after we move out thing. I don't oh. know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll depend on the day. Maybe Oops. not when we're talking about doppelgangers. What if we did it in the daytime? Maybe when there's like just as long as I know there's nothing like evil here. Okay. I don't like the look you're giving me. Okay. Is it you or you? Am I what? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Am I the thing in the apartment? Yes, I'm your husband. I live here. <laughs> Nice to meet you. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've told you about some of, like, the stuff that... Yeah. Yeah, you told me, like, little bits, but never in, like, a... I don't feel as weird here as I did in our last apartment. Like, I feel pretty good here. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our last apartment, something weird was going on. Yeah. That place didn't smell right. No, that, that place. That both. place smelled bad, and I couldn't ever clean it enough to smell right. No, like that was that's that's a whole other tangent. But like that was that. Ooh. Especially if we're talking about this stuff here, I don't want to like talk about other places. I've got stories from other places. Okay, well we'll just we'll save that for another time because I might cry. Okay. Okay. So we're this was a bad time to have a tangent because we're we're at the end. Actually, that's a perfect time to have a tangent, isn't it? Not it really, because I keeps, can't. Keeps I can't. Going. Had you all ramped up. Going. I had you all ramped up for this one, and now it's uh-huh. all gone. Um, so the last entity that I'm going to talk about from the Waverly Hills Sanatorium is um, it's another pretty horrifying one. And no one's really sure what it is, um, if it falls in the category of shadow figure, if it was a human spirit, or if it's a demon, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not really anything else like it anywhere else. Uh, but it has been dubbed the Creeper. So it is a dark figure that crawls along the halls on all fours. Ooh. It crawls up the walls and onto the ceiling. Ew. Um, the other spirits there seem to be scared of it, and it will try to warn as you're smiling at me so much. This one, this is this is dark. I like <laughs> this, this is one. such an upsetting story. This is like I like I can visualize this is messed up. I can visualize this in my head. <laughs> um so the other entities um, in Waverly are scared of it and they'll scatter and they'll try to warn you like you'll get EVPs trying to warn you that it is coming what? like, the, like <laughs> the other things that live there are scared of it and no one knows what this thing is um, it's dark it's got four legs <sighs> this makes me think of like like there's a dream I had a oh, while gosh. back about spiders that were the ah! size of dogs and like they could run the speed of a dog down the street but like climb up windows and doors and things they were dark that's kind of like what i'm picturing except those have any legs but like what's happening in your head <sighs> anyway wow okay um <laughs> yeah that's, that's crazy that's crazy <laughs> yeah so that's that's the creeper and that's really all the information that you that they have on it like there's there's pictures supposedly of it but i don't know if those have been doctored there's a lot of stories of people seeing something on the ceiling or scuttling away from them um i found i found one (laughs) of a tour guide like herding a tour along and then Mm -hmm. turning around and thinking that there was like a like trash on the floor Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden this thing just started moving someone else saw one that was like it said it was like black and white and like spider sized or not spider sized but like dog sized mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about your dog spiders now um which i'm like did you actually just see a dog because it's black and, it's like white and black and confused well, it was a dream but no like the person the, the person was saying that like oh, they saw oh, something that oh, was like white story. and brown or something i don't know i just hate it yeah if the light cache is weird i could yeah it could be a dog like especially, I guess if someone's I mean, there's going... the ghost dog. Maybe that guy saw the ghost dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. People are going up there at night. I mean, I'm sure this. I'm looking at the pictures. Like, there's it, no like, windows. This place black. can easily be accessed by animals of any size and shape. Okay, so there actually are windows now. So. Oh, they put up glass along so, here. Yes. Oh, so, okay. in 2001, the property was purchased by Tina and Charlie Mattingly, who still own it today. So they're working on restoring it. They've added windows and they've cleaned it up and they host tours. Um, they do big Halloween bit events. They do light shows. Um, their uh, goal, and all the proceeds are going to the restoration of the building, but their goal um, is to one day turn it into a bed and breakfast. Like a haunted bed and breakfast, or are they going to try to clean the land? I like... do not know. Okay. Um, so they plan to do a bed and breakfast. They're going to do administrative um, offices on the first floor, um, and then a restaurant on the fifth floor. Which I don't, I think this building is too big to be classified as a bed and breakfast. Like, yeah, so this like would a be hotel. a hotel. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is huge. Yeah. You can't have a 400 room bed and breakfast. Like, that's not. Yeah. But also, I'm, I'm, I'm not eating breakfast Yeah, there. that's called a hotel and the breakfast always ends at something ridiculous like 7 a.m. <laughs> Come, relax. Get up by six or you will not get a bagel. So that is... The Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Little cat. Hmm? 
I've seen her cat in a little bit. Did um, she get bored? No, she uh, took my skirt off the chair and made a bed out of it on the floor. And so she's curled up in there asleep right now. Aww. It's not cute. She took my skirt. <laughs> At least it's a black skirt, just a black cat. So I don't care about that. I mean, there will be a little blend in there. Alright. My turn. <clears throat> no. So. I don't want to. I hate caves. This is horrifying. I kind I'm of. I'm so upset. Yeah, I, I did kind of spoil what I was going to talk about last time. However, part of what I said I was going to talk about really in terms of time and scale and, well, yeah, the amount of time I had to get the research done as well as the amount of time that we would have to, you know, record this and not have it last forever. Sorry, I already talked forever about Waverly. Well, uh, that's okay. What I had would have gone on even longer. And that was the part where I was going to talk about the relationship between indigenous peoples and uh, cave systems in North America. Um, I, that's, a, that's a topic in itself. Yeah, I, I did not have enough time to do that part yeah, justice. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something. That's a whole other episode to cover. But I might actually spook you with some other parts. Uh, yes, if you're talking about a cave... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm scared. Yep. So, um, uh, I'll, I'll start my story in Kentucky. Um, yeah, well, that's the theme, so mm -hmm, I hope so. Mm -hmm. South of south of Louisville on 65, you come to Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> Very far south. <laughs> Two and a half hours south of Louisville. Yep. Uh, closer, closer to uh, the Tennessee border than Louisville. But, yes, it's one of America's many Bowling Greens. There are several spread across the country. However... This Bowling Green is noted for, among other things, being home to the National Corvette Museum. Woo! Uh, where in 2012, a large sinkhole opened up inside <laughs> of their display show. No. <laughs> this was, uh, this was, no. this was shortly before that we moved to Nashville. Uh, no. so it was still recent in the news when we got here. And, um... Luckily, uh, luckily, it didn't. Uh, no, no one, no one was hurt in it. They do have security cam footage of it. Um, eight uh, Corvettes, you know, were severely damaged and they weren't able to be repaired. Eight Corvettes were swallowed by the earth and reclaimed. <laughs> There's something weirdly biblical about sinkholes, and I don't <laughs> like it. So much. Um, uh, there was a sinkhole in the news recently, too, where one, like, opened under some railroad tracks. Ugh. I hate it so much. Right around the time that uh, we first met, a uh, sinkhole opened up on Wendover Avenue. Fuck! Like, it was it was a big sinkhole, too, and normally North Carolina doesn't have sinkholes. I thought sinkholes, I was safe there. But... Sweating. Uh, apparently, Sweating. I hate it. I'm uh, so upset. Apparently there had been a water main that had been damaged for some time and had just been washing soil out underneath the road. Yes, this large sinkhole had just opened on this big thoroughfare. <laughs> um, no! But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have that be my introduction to uh, talking about um, talking about cave systems in Kentucky. They still um, have those Corvettes on display. They do, yes. You can yeah. see the damage and everything. Because my dad went up there 
by himself to see it. When he came to visit us, he didn't want to go wedding dress shopping with me and my mom. So uh, he went up to Bowling Green by himself uh, to see the National Corvette Museum. I have only been there once to stand in the auditorium uh, for a... um, like oh, a Comic Con thing. You went with I me. I was yeah. there too. Yeah. Yeah. We met um, uh, Brian Muir. Yes. Muir, who yes. Uh, who designed uh, Darth Vader's helmet, among many many other things. Yes, I got to ride on a speeder bike, or I got to sit on a speeder yes, bike. We got to pretend to ride taken. a speeder bike. Yes. yes. Um, I'm gonna put those pictures <laughs> over this conversation so everyone can see us being dorky. <laughs> I'm sorry. Correction. Three of the Corvettes were able to be saved. Five were unable to be saved. I'm sorry, no. Like, <laughs> Satan himself took those. <laughs> you may not have them back. You me, cannot reclaim them. It does make me think of that 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 story where that um where the Israelites are in a wandering in the wilderness and they try to rebel against Moses and the earth just swallows them <laughs> on God's decree and. <laughs> God's just like, these Corvettes are mine. I'm just like, what did these Corvettes do? <laughs> what, like, what what car commandment did they violate to deserve this fate? So, yes, yeah, so that happened because uh, Kentucky sits on a terrain called Karst. And Karst is a, um, it's a, ter- it's a topography that contains rocks that are easily dissolvable in water. Frequently it's limestone. For example, you'll see this, uh, topography in Florida, which has a lot of limestone. It might be surprising to people who aren't from Kentucky to hear that Kentucky also has so much limestone, given that it does not border any oceans. It is very far inland. So I think a theory in paranormal activity also, not paranormal activity, the concept, not the movie, um, that limestone is also like a conductor of like paranormal energy. I don't know. Is it because of all the seashells? Yes. Is it seashell hauntings? Yes. Kentucky is haunted by seashells. That's what I'm saying. I mean, ancient sea creatures. I'm just throwing out. Maybe that's why Kentucky is haunted is all the limestone because that is a theory (laughs) that limestone is like a conductor of... Yeah, I'm... but yes, they're they're haunted by the ghost of crustaceans. <laughs> so, um, but these crustaceans in Kentucky, they are actually uh, very very old. Florida, its limestone was building up a little more recently. Kentucky's was limestone was deposited during the Mississippian period. Um, Now, for anyone who's outside of the United States, that is the Carboniferous period. In the United States, the Carboniferous period gets separated into the Mississippian period and the Pennsylvanian period. Those are two very specific terms, and it might lose some people. But the Mississippian period, for a rough time scale, was about from 358 to 323 million years years ago. For time scale, uh, the dinosaurs were wiped out by the asteroid that struck 65 million years ago. So this was about six times that distance from us in time, just to give us an idea of the vast time scales that we're dealing with. In fact, at the time Kentucky lay under a shallow sea, there were no dinosaurs yet. The Carboniferous period was a time in Earth's history when amphibians were the primary 
land creatures. It was a very strange time. The reason it's called the Carboniferous period is because most of the world's carbon deposits come from this time. Now, the reason for that is, is because like I said, we're going so far back in time that uh, various organisms that assist with uh, decomposing plant material didn't actually fully exist at the time. Um, funguses, for example, assist in the breakdown of plants uh, weren't as abundant back then. And so these early trees would grow, they'd die, they'd fall over, and they would just lay there. This was like when the uh, trees first began, to, or were first really colonizing the land in large-scale forests that we'd kind of think of today. Now this did something interesting for the climate. It started off in a very warm period. Global temperatures at the time were about 68 degrees Fahrenheit on average mean world temperatures. For comparison today, they're about 57 degrees Fahrenheit in the 20th century. They are warmer now than they were in the 20th century because of our own climate change. But uh, if you can consider that, they're about 10 degrees hotter on average worldwide. However, by the end of it, they had actually dropped cooler than today. They're probably about 54 degrees on average. This is because these trees trapped or released so much oxygen and trapped so much carbon that they lowered the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere and proceeded to cool the planet. The result of there being so much oxygen in the atmosphere was that this was a time when insects got huge. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I was saying earlier that amphibians were the dominant land species at the time. However, we have evidence of, and this is slightly different, but today atmospheric oxygen is roughly 21% of the breathable air. At the at that time, it was as high as 35%. So there's much more oxygen because insects don't have a respiratory system because they just, they, they, they have an exoskeleton, but they don't breathe in with lungs. Um, that limits their size nowadays because that limits the amount of oxygen that can get to them from respiratory. God. Whereas at the time, because there was much more, much more oxygen in the atmosphere, uh, dragonflies at the time could get wingspans up to 28 inches, which is 70 centimeters, for example. So dragonflies could get a over two foot wingspan at the time. I kind of like dragonflies, so like I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> Dra dragonflies are pretty cool. I have a feeling some of the others aren't quite as cute, though. Yeah, just just imagine giant insects. So, but just imagine giant insects. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's casual. Dog, dog sized I don't spiders. Want, no, I don't um. want to. It's awful. This is the worst. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, the, the dragonflies were the size of you know today's large birds, essentially. Okay. So the reason that Kentucky was under a shallow sea at the time was because the Appalachians were still undergoing a mountain building process as uh, Pangaea was still forming at the time. So at the time, the east coast of the United States would have been bordering Africa and Western Europe, and the inland part of the United States would have been a uh, shallow sea or swampland, varying depending, because this, this time period lasted a very long time, the mm -hmm. Carboniferous. Um, sometimes it's hard to wrap around 
just how big that these time scales are. But within this period, you know, there would have been many ice ages. There would have been, uh, like, species grew, died out. But at, at the time, Kentucky was, for the most part, it was shallow seas or swampy lands. Uh, and that allowed for the deposits of uh, seashells, which then compacted over time, formed limestone. Over top of this, later, uh, sandstone began to form, and the sandstone was obviously much harder than the limestone. It didn't allow for as much water penetration. So once water got a little bit under the sandstone, it could easily carve out large systems in the limestone underneath. So Kentucky today has over 5,000 caves. God. I'm sorry, what? Yes, Kentucky today has over 5,000 caves. 5,000 caves. It's mostly known for Mammoth Cave, which is the largest cave system. However, there are over 5,000 caves in the state. Most of them are on the western edge of the Cumberland Plateau in Kentucky, which, like, we think of the part that's in Tennessee, but it does continue north into Kentucky as well. Yeah, most of those are in that part going towards eastern Kentucky. However, there's a large belt that roughly extends from a little bit southwest of Fort Knox, curving to uh, a little east of Paducah. That's the region where that Mammoth Caves is in. So Mammoth Caves actually has a very interesting history that I didn't really know a lot about before that. Um, I started looking into the caves. It's funny because we, we took a tour there. We took a tour there. And, it wasn't even the cheap tour. And, and you know, like, they, they talked about some things. Like, they talked about how, uh, they, they talked about the formations. They talked about how deep that we were under Talks time. Talked about how, you know, you get lost and die there. Yeah. Talked yeah. about that. That was great. It was fun <laughs> while we were in the cave. I will note here that many of these cave systems in Kentucky, uh, they were sacred sites to the indigenous peoples that lived in the region. Uh, they have found human remains. They found mummified remains um, in these cave systems. I can do a discussion more on that later in the future. I'd like to get to that as to the religious symbolism that they had. But it seems like caves in Kentucky were mostly, they were utilized during the archaic and early woodland periods. So they would have been used before the Mississippian uh, Southwest Ceremonial Complex uh, peoples that I talked about last time. No one's quite sure why. Obviously, the lack of written records, and they haven't found they haven't found any reason that they would have stopped using them. I've been able to find out that's still an unanswered question at the moment. There's a legend that Mammoth Cave itself was discovered by a 10-year-old boy who was out hunting a bear, uh, which is... <laughs> Casual, okay. Yeah, which is which is probably probably a made-up story. It was probably so discovered by his... a fifth grader was hunting a bear. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was probably his dad who found the cave. And was just like, let me credit my 10-year-old with this? I would like to, I, I would like to point out that as of... Uh, as of the date that we're reading this, the Wikipedia page, quote, uh, this is highly unlikely because Johnny Dick was <laughs> only 10 years old in 1797 and was unlikely to be out hunting bears at such a tender age. I would just, it was, it was the words 
tender age on Wikipedia that really caught me, and I was, I just, I, I, I had to. There ain't no way little Johnny Dick was out there hunting bears. I just, it's, it's just, it's, it's the words tender age appearing on Wikipedia. Um. His name was Johnny Dick. <laughs> So, oh, that kid was like running away from home with like his little knapsack or something. <laughs> he was just like, no, mom, I was just, I was hunting bears. During the war of 1812, it was. <laughs> Sorry, you can't get past Johnny Dick hunting bears. It was. <laughs> tender young Johnny Dick at 10 years old <laughs> out Tender bears. young Johnny Dick on his bear hunt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even get like any royalties from like the ticket sales for all the tours. God, the Dick family's just getting screwed over. <laughs> So, so they're actually the they're actually the Huchin family. I, I I don't know why that he was called Johnny Dick. Oh, just so he's Johnny Dick, just to Wikipedia. That that was just his nick. That apparently that was his just, nickname was Dick. Uh, yeah, at ten. Yeah, that was, okay. that was his nickname. It was just All Johnny right. Dick. Um, All right. Little bear hunter boy. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so it was it was used uh, during the War of eighteen twelve. Um, because there were saltpeter reserves at the time. They needed saltpeter uh, to use with gunpowder, and there was a blockade, so they couldn't import it. So it was important at that time, and that's really when people first kind of started to discover the, the area and look more into it from the outside, and not just locals looking into it. Uh, they, they did find, this was also one that they found uh, an indigenous mummy at the site, so then, sorry, what year is it? I'm sorry. Yes, this was uh, th- this was this was just before spring of 1883 when the property was sold. Okay. Uh, when it was sold to Franklin Gorin, who uh, was the first person to really operate Mammoth Cave as a tourist site. Um, Stephen Bishop uh, was one of his first tour guides. Um, I like to point out that Franklin Gorin used slaves to give tours of the site. So Stephen Bishop um, was enslaved. He was actually half white, half black. However, you know, at the time with the one drop rule, he was still considered black. Uh, He was one of the first people to make extensive maps of the area, though. He was quite an expert. Splunker? Spelunker? Spelunk? Spelunker? Spelunker? Is that, is that... Spelunker? Spelunking. Spelunking, Spelunker. yes. Spelunker. Spelunkernizer. Spelunk. Spelunkianite. He was, he, he was good with the Splunk. Um, uh, uh, he was the first person to find the, quote, bottomless pit. Oh, God! <laughs> Which, that was not on the tour that we saw, but yes, there is a, there's a bottomless pit. Um, I can't. I, I have questions, but I don't. I don't. I don't want to know. And he is. Keeps uh, gives me so much anxiety. I can't. <laughs> so Stevens is quoted as saying it was grand, gloomy, and peculiar. Those were the words that he had for Those it. Those are oddly calm mm-hmm. for looking at something called the bottomless, the bottomless pit. pit. Did he name it the bottomless pit? 
Um, that's a good question. As far as I'm aware, it, it was it was either him or it was Gorham who would have named it. But I suspect this would have been Stephen because Stephen was the one who was mapping it and actually making the discoveries at the time. It's just Gorham, like this looks like a bottomless pit. That's so peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay. Hmm. 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 Strange. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the real part, though, where Mammoth Caves actually ties in to you and what that you were reading about earlier with tuberculosis and... Oh, no, we're talking about tuberculosis. Yes. Oh, my lungs just twinge. We are circling back to tuberculosis, and this is, this is what I learned about Mammoth Caves that really made me want to focus on this part, was a man named John Crogan... I don't know. Sure. ...of Louisville. He bought the Mammoth Cave estate... Uh, including Bishop and the other slaves from the previous owner. Uh, and he ran a tuberculosis hospital in the cave. Oh my God. From 1842 to 1843, because he believed the vapors from underground would cure people of consumption. No, John, no, that's a bit, no. So he put them in a dark, damp, humid environment but that's with like, no airflow. Oh, and then we would, no, no, no. But that was like a, per, oh, Oh, yes. no. Yes. Um, no. I mean, at least he wasn't removing like eight of your ribs, but like, whoa. His science was not good. Uh, he himself died of tuberculosis in 1849. Damn it, John. Uh, so, yes, he was, that was not good science. Like, and he, he paid the price. At least, at least like he tried. Again, I just, with tuberculosis, like, it would be interesting to do like a whole thing on tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Tuberculosis is just wild like i i like briefly like looked into it while i was sorry this is such a tangent but while i was doing waverly i wanted to look a little bit more into tuberculosis and i found that the first known like bacteria that was that could be classified as tuberculosis was found in a bison a seventeen thousand year old bison huh and they have found tuberculosis bacteria in the lungs of mummies from like 4000 bc like tuberculosis has been a problem nearly as long as humans have existed and it took thousands of years to come up with a cure and then even longer after that to come up with a preventative measure so just today when people are like it took too long to find the cure for this brand new thing i'm just like tuberculosis took thousands of years like how long do you want it to take how many people do you want it to kill this this cave one as a cure really blows my mind though because even during the plagues in medieval europe they knew that, and they thought that it was you know bad air that was mm -hmm. causing it. they thought it was miasma um but they thought that this came from damp humid places like swamps and yeah, any any place that was dark, cold, and wet. Yeah, which like the swampiness was the problem, like in Louisville, which is why it was such a big problem in that area. And that was why that if you know patients were sick, like when you read like uh, novels from Victorian England, if someone was sick, they'd go to the south of France where it was mm. warm and sunny and not mm. yeah not rainy. So so people have known for a long time that cool, damp closed conditions aid the spread of disease so it blows my mind that this person for whatever the disease was thought the solution was to put people in a cave together uh so, so that one especially blows my mind 
Like that that mm. goes that goes against like thousands of years of just common knowledge on the spread of disease. Damn it, John. Yep. Well, uh, eventually, eventually he got himself doing it. So. It's just these people like take other like innocent people along with these little little rides, promising they have the answer. After it failed as a sanatorium, <laughs> uh, in 1859, the Louisville and Nashville Railroad opened its main lines between the cities, and that increased tourism to the Mammoth Cave areas. And this led to an influx of tourists and led to an event known as the Kentucky Cave Wars. <laughs> which is a wild name the Kentucky um, Cave War. which is a wild name i i love this name it, i'm sure like it's it's not going to be as exciting like i'm just picturing like people in kentucky just like gearing up and like battling through the caves but like yeah it's it's, it's, it's probably like it's really boring and financial it's it, yeah it's it's not like hatfields and mccoys go underground it's, it's <laughs> not that it's all, it's all <laughs> i want though it's all i want right now um, <laughs> No, this this was uh, this was other people who owned property around the area would put up signs to fool tourists claiming that they had the entrance to Mammoth Caves and they would claim that Mammoth Caves was closed for renovations. You had to come visit their little smaller cave. That's dangerous. I don't like that. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Caves are dangerous. You can you just get stuck in places. And oh, no, no, no. That's dangerous. mm -hmm. I don't like it. At the time, uh. Mammoth Caves itself was still privately owned. It wasn't even a. It wasn't even a national park. So we're still talking about the 19th century at okay. the time. So all all these. I mean, it was. Uh, these were all just private citizens. Just like come to my property, crawl underground. It'll be great. Yeah, I've got you know Stephen Bishop, this human that I own, who is going to take you on a tour of all these places he just cool. found. Cool. Place called the Bottomless cool. Pit. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Kentucky. I mean, nowhere else was doing any better, but like, thanks. Yes, at the time it was still owned by, the Mammoth Caves itself was still owned by the Crogan family, uh, even though John Crogan died of tuberculosis. In 1908, a German mining engineer uh, heard about this while he was in New York. His name was Max Komper, and he had just graduated college, and he originally planned on spending two weeks at Mammoth Caves, uh, however, ultimately ended up spending about half a year there. He worked with Stephen Bishop and produced uh, the most uh, accurate map that they had at the time of the cave system. Uh, however, the, uh, the Krogan family was upset that someone else was coming in and exploring their cave, and to this date, this uh, no no one can find any remains of this underground map. Poor Max went back to Germany and died in the trenches of the Battle of the Somme. Oh, uh, yeah. So he had discovered it. Well, not discovered. Um, he visited the places that Stephen Bishop had shown him, and he drew the most accurate map that they had at the time. And then, um, but. No one knows where this map is today, and he ended up uh, being killed in the First World War. There were several attempts to turn it into a national park. Early on, there was very little success. Um, there was there was legal reasons. The f- for legal reasons, the federal government was not allowed to um, restore land on the area 
uh, where farmsteads have been and return it to forestry. To get around this, uh, they utilize the Civilian Conser Conservation Corps, the CCC, uh, to do tree planting. This was due to an agreement that they had had with the, uh, the Krogan heirs when that they acquired the property. So they're still making uh, discoveries to this day. Recently, they've found that a lot more of the cave exists to the southeast of where the park is today, connecting to some of the privately owned caves in the area. Privately owned caves. You know, oh, these are caves you can tour? These are caves you can tour. I'm sure that they have to follow protocol. But yeah, you can... Just, I don't know how one owns a cave. The ground, like the earth owns the cave. You may not own the cave. <laughs> I'm so upset by caves. People just go missing in caves. They get stuck in caves. Caves just like keep going down into the earth and like where they go. I hate caves. They're so, like, caves are just unsettling. And somehow in both episodes one and two, we have talked about caves. Like we're a cave podcast. You've seen me have a panic attack just thinking about a cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's bad. Caves are weird. Stay out of them. No, the, the ones that get me are, well, Mammoth Cave, yeah, that's well above sea level, but the ones that get me are the deepest caves on Earth. Can't do it. Deepest caves on Earth, and they have water draining down, but these caves are below sea level, and you're Where like- the fuck is the water going? Where is the water going? I can't, this is what, this is what, I can't do it. It's not flowing out to the ocean. Where is it's just it going go deep it's into just, the bowels of the Earth. Oh my God, I can't. I hate- Caves are so unsettling. And then there's like there's like spiders and fish and stuff that just evolve in the cave to just not use any light. There's like And that was that was the <gasps> part that I uh, that I got lost on. I was actually about to talk about some of the animals that they found in Mammoth Caves and the caves in Kentucky. It is a very unique ecosystem and these are creatures that are not found anywhere else on the earth. Obviously, many types of bats that live in the uh, that live in the cave, and bats are cute. Everyone, They're adorable. Everyone loves bats. It's Halloween. It's spooky <laughs> season. It's bat time. They have cute little faces, little noses, and make little squeaky noises. There are uh, cave crayfish and cave shrimp that live in the underground river. Oh, the, the river underneath is called the River Styx. That's the name of the river that flows through <laughs> Mammoth Caves appropriately that? enough. They, you know, that? They, they thought they were so clever when they named this river. <laughs> they thought they were the cleverest people on like, Earth, it, it, Is it tempting fate or is it... Is it cle <laughs> I don't know if it's cheesy or if it's dark. I don't know. I just don't like it. Uh, there are two types of... Eyeless cave fish. It's not just fish with like the giant eye. These they they, they just they eyes. lost the eyes altogether. Because what's the they point? Just don't have... um, <laughs> I get it. What's so the... they they can what's smell the you coming. Oh God! Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, in the fossils in the area, they have found uh, many types of shark. Though. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. In a cave. Yeah, um, no. uh, the, in 2020, they reported the discovery, scientists reported the discovery of, I, I that's, that's a Latin word, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I won't do it justice. It is a species of shark roughly the size of a modern great white shark they found fossil remains of. No, <laughs> no, there's just like a great white shark just in a cave. 
it's hard to tell because this cave is also cutting through limestone deposits from when the area was a shallow sea. This may actually, I think this one may predate the cave. Okay, well, that's a little bit better because now I'm just picturing, like, that water below sea level and where it's going. And is it going to a great white shark? Like, we do know much less about what's under the earth than we know about what's above it. Great. Whatever it is, it wants a Corvette. <laughs> it's seen humans driving around with Corvettes and wants one for itself. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I'm having my midlife crisis. I will take a Corvette. Thank you. I will take eight. <laughs> and I want to show you this picture. Do I need to see it? No. No. Of some of the largest insects oh that they have found inside of the caves. Here is, um, here we go. There's that uh, crayfish we were talking about earlier. Okay, looks like a little ghost shrimp. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Mm -hmm. Okay, ghost shrimp. Oh, and it's got lots of, uh, it's got a very specific type of cave cricket that lives there too, the camel cricket. I thought camel crickets were just like everywhere, just... They are. They were. Oh God. Yeah. Do you remember? You, you remember that house? That it has I was so many legs. Yes. Oh. And, uh, Those were. Oh. They were all over the basement in that house. It was. Yeah. Speaking of things trying to be reclaimed by the earth, that house was trying to be reclaimed. These spiders, like, the, those crickets are like another. Well, as fate would oh, have it, that beast. house got reclaimed by the North Carolina Department of Transportation. Now that's there's not, a road there. That's not the same as the earth. <laughs> that's where the next sinkhole's going to be. They're just going to be like, nope, I'm taking this road. But yeah, so that kind of draws me full circuit to the uh, large bugs that once existed in the Carboniferous period when the limestone was being laid down where the caves were to the... Uh, insects that still find this unique habitat their only home on the earth today so that was your framing device was insects mm -hmm. you spooked me with caves mm -hmm. and then but like the real thing was insects mm -hmm. i hate it mm -hmm. i hate it i don't want it no thank you <laughs> i had to try to think up a new way so i, I had How to dare you this, this is why it took me a little bit of extra time to kind of go a different route with things i was looking up Okay, well, I hate it, and I'm not going to sleep tonight because we've we've covered some of my least favorite things um, to exist slash theoretically exist in this episode. Uh, this will be our last episode because um, I'm I'm dead. Right. It's been a great run. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for all the support over the years. In that case. <laughs> <laughs> What? Anyway, do we want to? Do we talk about what's next? Or last time I almost kind of spoiled it a little for you. Like, um, how do you want? How do you want to do this going forward? Um, I think I don't know. I guess we'll just kind of figure it out. Um, see how it feels. I think we've decided. Our plan right now is for all of the first three episodes to come out at the same time. Mm -hmm. So. It won't really be a secret. I just heard something shifting in the other room. That Did was that was our cat. Don't you don't. That was our cat. I thought our cat was. She's not. Okay, never mind. She How wasn't with us. Dare you? Okay. You're not gonna I'm get sorry. me like that. You're not gonna get me with your weird cheap like. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
Well, anyway, as uh, as we as we go into episode three, I'm sure we'll find a I'm sure we'll find a good way to uh, bridge the topic. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll um, see. We'll see. <laughs> so we bridge the gap between episode two and three. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, join us next time for episode three, bridges. <laughs> in case you hadn't guessed. Can't promise it'll be any shorter than this Wait, episode. Oh, it is about bridges. It's not about bridges. Where'd you get that from? Oof! This one was a lot. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. <laughs> Ugh. You know, I kind of wanted to take the big like, because we never have taken the tour of the big chamber at Mammoth Cave, and I. No, I want to go back I, there for that. Yeah, I wanted to do that. And now I don't because now I know there's pit. the bottomless pit. <laughs> want to see it i hate it there's camel crickets <laughs> camel crickets that were trying to reclaim a corvette what are you running from cat what spooked you look how wide your eyes are what spooked you so the cat just came scampering into the room i think peter's trying to scare me by implying that the cat ran away from something should have come darting in here pretty quick i'm sure the audio picked it up um, probably. So they, yeah, it's okay. She just does that. She's a cat. She just runs up and down the hallway for fun. It's her hobby. Thankfully, it's not hunting bears. Well, maybe we should go, maybe we should go investigate and find out. You I'm not going to, I'm not going to enjoy doing with this with you. Yeah, you're you're yeah, going to try on. and like scare me a lot. Let's, let's go investigate. Let's say, let's say goodbye and investigate. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Anyways, thank you. And we will see you for episode three. This has been Spookistory. The podcast. We have a name now. We do. We do. We didn't have one in episode one. We just pretended. We'll edit it in. No one will know the difference. Um. <laughs> and then this conversation we're having right now will be for naught. For naught. <laughs> for naught. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing with my laptop We have an right email now. We do. We have an email. It is spookhistorypodcast at gmail.com. And you can email us. Um you have a ghost story i'd love to hear it and i'll read it to peter and see if we can we can scare him maybe he'll read some stories to me one day i guess if we get enough it'd be cool to do like episode with just listener stories if we get oh my god the cat just screamed and reached her whole paw (laughs) up the table and i just saw a little claw just reach over the edge of the table and i hate it anyways thank you this has been episode two and we'll see you next time (laughs) 